0: Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. I'll read verses 6 and 7, and then skip down to verse 21. Third chapter of Genesis. Genesis chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Now then skip down to verse 21. Unto Adam also... And to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. You may be seated. The very first clothing for man and woman after God put them on the face of the earth came from creation house. The tailor... The designer was the very best. No one could do it better than he. For he had clothed the lilies of the field and said that Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. He also said in Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 30, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? Oh, ye of little faith, therefore take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, and wherewithal shall we be clothed? I want to keep in focus that I'm preaching about the covering of the blood. And remember, if God clothes the grass of the field, he knows how to clothe us with appropriate attire to stand before him. So there's no need to wonder what it will be wherefore should we ask what shall we be clothed with for after all these things do the gentiles seek for your heavenly father knoweth that you have need of all these things but seek ye first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you therefore take no thought for the morrow for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. I would love to have attended that first fashion show. I can promise you that it was not a Tarzan and Jane outfit provided for Adam and Eve. Neither did it look anything like a wraparound animal skin the pellet just to wrap around and drape over the body like some Christian artist. There were no peekaboo revelations of the human anatomy to arouse lustful thoughts. The architect of the universe who had flung the glittering stars into their silvery sockets in the atmosphere above us and had hung the unpillared arcs of the sky upon nothing, and laid the foundations of the earth on nothing, who carved the beautiful harvest moon and made the glittering sun, the dazzling sun. Yes, he was the person who provided the clothing for the first couple. Just think about his work. Think about his design, his success, and his merits. He clothed the butterflies. The songbirds, the peacocks. He adorned the mountains and the hills around the brooks. He made the fleecy clouds arranged for the beautiful sunrises and sunsets. He adorned the most exotic birds and animals on the face of the earth. Can you imagine what He provided for Adam and Eve when He provided clothing? from skins? No, no, no. God didn't take an animal skin and just drape it around their body and say, this is better than the fig leaves. It must have been a beautiful creation. God made all things beautiful. Paradise would be shamed. By any crude preparation or garments that were inappropriate made and labeled by the creator, made by God, as the label would indicate, for the highest of his creation, none but man and woman could be termed the highest creatures made by God. So what do you think? That first fashion show would have been like to see Adam and Eve clothed in garments prepared by God. It would be interesting. How were Adam and Eve clothed prior to this moment? Well, the scripture tells us in chapter 2 and verse 24, they were naked. But we must understand that when God placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, they would be visited by God and walk with them in the cool of the day. Even Lucifer would be allowed, the fallen angel who had once been the angel of light, who knew what covering was all about. He would be allowed to come and converse with Adam and Eve. So in the term naked, it simply means there was nothing earthly. There was nothing provided in a natural sense. I believe they were clothed with the very glory of God. we find in verse 2, verse 25 of chapter 2, that they were naked. But can you imagine a peacock strutting around the yard without its feathers? Can you imagine anything without the beautiful covering that God made to make it attractive and appealing? Angels always appear properly clothed, mostly in long, white, flowing robes. Temple priests approached the Holy of Holies with garments prepared for them by the best in the land, beautifully woven, carefully prepared, as they would sprinkle the blood above the mercy seat. Daniel chapter 7 and verse 9 shows us the Heavenly Father, the Ancient of Days, seated upon the throne, clothed with a garment, no, Clothed with a garment as white as snow. And then Jesus is revealed in Revelation chapter 1. Clothed about with a garment down to the foot. gird about the breast with a golden girdle. Seeing then God's provision for angelic beings and divine deity itself, do you think that he placed Adam and Eve in an embarrassing state for Lucifer to mock? And for the animals to say, you sure messed them up. Consider the, Consider the butterflies and the songbirds. They were all adorned in beauty and glory. I believe that God took care of everything. Jesus has shown, properly attired. Adam and Eve may have been clothed with the glory of God. And it appeared to all other eyes as angels would appear, as God would appear, as Jesus would appear. The glory of God was upon them and they were appropriately attired, both Adam and Eve, although in the natural, to the natural eye, they would be naked, but there were no natural eyes to look upon them except he and she. In a sinless state, properly clothed by God, Suddenly, their world changed. They committed sin and they lost their sinless state. And verse 7 tells us the eyes of them both were opened. And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons in verse 8. The heart, they heard the voice of God, and they hid themselves among the trees. You know, it would be appropriate if we would understand that God sees us. You can't hide from God. There's no place to hide. God sees you. I can just see Adam and Eve crouched behind the trees trying to hide from God. You all see in eyes of God. Well, many of us today are inappropriately or tired. We're not covered by the blood as we should be. We've left the shelter provided of safety and security. And some of you have never come to that place in life. And God sees you. And God knows that there's not a proper time upon you. They heard the voice of God. God called. Adam. 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 where art thou? Verse 10, he said, I heard your voice. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And God said in verse 11, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I told thee not to eat? The fig leaf cover-up was inadequate. They had sewed for themselves aprons of fig leaves. It is inappropriate for you to answer the call of God. If you're trying to cover your past with works, with religion, no matter what it is that you're trying to hide behind and impress God that you're an okay guy, a real nice person, you're not fooling God one bit whatsoever. God knows your heart. God knows your life. And so the cover-up will not work. God made for them coats of skins and clothed them. Now they so aprons of fig leaves, God in His own way prepared clothing for them of skins. Now remember the designer of the universe, the architect of the universe that made all the beautiful creatures and all the beautiful insects and animals and birds, He prepared for them clothing. It is a type of redemption. He provided a covering for their nakedness. They were embarrassed to face God. And now then he provided a covering. It involved the shedding of blood. It involved the giving of a life. Maybe several lambs were slain. Maybe there were several animals killed in order to prepare the clothing for Adam and Eve. But whatever it looked like, whatever its texture, it was adequate. It was complete. It was not man-made. It required the shedding of blood. Anything that you've covered your life with is inadequate if it didn't involve the blood of Jesus. If you have a religion, if you have a belief, if you have just good works, if you're trying to be a good guy, it's inadequate. Nothing but the blood can cover your sins. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Man was expelled from paradise because of his sin. You know the story. But his sins were atoned for by the shedding of blood. The first sacrifice was made. The word atonement means a covering to cancel, to appease, to cleanse, to disannul, to forgive, to pardon, to purge, to reconcile. I love the thought of the Atonement being at one meant at one meant we're reconciled to God. We're not estranged. We're not forced away. Our sin will no longer separate us, separate us from God, because we are now reconciled to God by the precious blood of Jesus. He offered a more excellent sacrifice than animals, the blood of bulls and goats. Hebrews verse. 4 of chapter 11 tells us that by faith Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain. And you remember the story how that Cain offered an offering of the fruit of the ground. While Abel offered the firstlings of the flock, which portrayed the Lamb of God being slain from before the foundation of the world for the sins of the world. Abraham went up on Mount Moriah and he took Isaac and he prepared an altar, laid the wood. And he had the fire. And now then, Isaac is stretched out on this altar. And Abraham pulls back the knife in his hand, prepared to give his own son as a sacrifice. God had told him to do this. And God said, stop, Abraham. He saw that he was willing to follow through because Abraham believed that God would raise him from the dead. Nevertheless, he was not required to complete the act. And off to the side, there was a ram caught by the horns in the thicket. And a substitute was provided. And the ram became a type of Christ as our substitute to be a covering for our sins, to provide atonement, to reconcile us to God. We are covered by the blood. The Old Testament has a beautiful story. It truly happened in Egypt when the children of Israel were told to pack up, get ready to leave the land of Egypt. In Exodus chapter 12 and verse 13, Moses had been instructed to tell the people to slay the Paschal Lamb and to do this in certain ways and and do it in a way that God instructed him. In verse 13 of chapter 12, the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you or destroy you, When I smite the land of Egypt, I want to tell you, if God had not put the blood upon Adam and Eve in the garden, He would have destroyed them. If it had not been for the blood that was shed, which portrayed the blood being shed by the Lamb of God in the future, God would have had to destroy Adam and Eve. And so that first tailor, that beautiful garment was provided by blood being shed and God weaving the garments for Adam and Eve that day. But he said, the plague will not be upon you to destroy you. Then in chapter 12, verse 21 through 24, Moses called for the elders of Israel and said unto them, draw out now, take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, strike it on the lintel, and on the two side posts. The lintel was overhead. The two side posts on the side. With the blood that is in the basin, And none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning, for the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he seeth the blood on the two side posts and on the lintel, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come into your houses. There's a song in our book that we sing oftentimes, when I see the blood, I will pass over you after nine of the 10 plagues had been visited upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt in order to get him to be persuaded to let the children of Israel go. Finally, God said, this is the last plague, and I want you to have your people prepared for after this plague, when I smite the firstborn of Pharaoh and the king on his throne to the beggar at his footstool, the person in the prison, it doesn't matter, even among the Jews, people who did not have the blood they too the firstborn would be slain each family was to follow the instructions here were the instructions choose a lamb or a goat without blemish of the first year small families less than 10 people were joined to join together with larger families third keep the lamb up for 4 days fourth The head of the household will slay the lamb on the 14th day of the month, number five. Sprinkle the blood on the doorpost and on the lintel, number six. Roast the lamb and eat with bitter herbs. Eat it in haste with your loins girded. And then verse seven, uh, number seven, eat the meal in haste with your loins girded, shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand, eat it in haste. Chapter 12, verse 11 the blood covered the household it was for everyone in the house if you had a rebellious son or daughter as long as they would stay in the house and under the blood they were preserved they were spared if no one put the blood on the doorpost and over the lintel the firstborn of that house was taken out whether they be Jews or Egyptians and so you can just stop and think how that the blood is for the household Beloved, I want to encourage you to plead the blood for your household. I want you to claim, I know the blood was shed for my household. I'm not giving up on my household. We may have somebody that's in a a, a state of rebellion. They may be a prodigal. They may be out of the ark of safety, but I plead the blood over my household. I claim my household. This blood on the doorpost and on the lintel protected my house. And nobody in that house was touched by the destroyer that night when he passed through to slay the firstborn of the Egyptians and anyone that did not have the blood. And eventually, I believe that God will bring that person and those people to the place of repentance where they will give their heart to God. So just hang on. Don't give up. It's for the household. Notice that the blood was sprinkled in the tabernacle in the Holy of Holies and in the temple in the Holy of Holies over the mercy seat. In Ezekiel in Leviticus chapter sixteen and verse fourteen, he shall take of the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat eastward, and before the mercy seat shall he sprinkle the blood with his finger seven times. Have you ever noticed that? Did you know that God told the priest? to sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat seven times. How many knew that? Not many. There were some. Seven times. The law for the cleansing of a leper was for the priest to take two birds, to kill one, take its blood, to make an atonement, sprinkle it on the other bird and let the other bird go free. But he was to sprinkle that blood seven times. Seven times. At the crucifixion of Jesus, the blood of Jesus had a sevenfold application as it drained from his body. His sweat became as great drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. His face was bloody for my cheeks. I gave my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. His face was matted with blood. His head was bruised from the thorns, piercing his sacred brow, and blood ran down from his head. His back was beaten to a pulp by the whip as the strong Roman soldier brought it down 39 unmerciful times, and his back was bleeding. His hands were bleeding, for in Psalms 22 and verse 6, they pierced my hands. His feet were bleeding. They pierced my feet. Psalms 22 and verse 16. They pierced his side. John 19 and verse 34. Yes, his sweat became as great drops of blood. His face was bleeding. His head was bleeding. His back was bleeding. His hands were bleeding. His feet were bleeding. And from his side, they poured blood as they pierced his side. Seven different times the blood of Jesus came out of his body. No wonder the priest was instructed to sprinkle the blood seven times over the mercy seat to show the crucifixion of our Lord. His blood obtained eternal redemption. It was a covering. It was not something made of fig leaves. It provided eternal redemption and salvation. Hebrews chapter nine and verse eleven. But Christ, being come a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands—that is to say, not of this building—neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood, He entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. He obtained a covering so that we do not stand before Him naked. We do not stand before Him in shame. We do not stand before Him guilty. He has obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and ashes and of a an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctify it to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God if the devil's been talking to you if he's been saying I remember when if he reminds you of your past you tell him that Jesus took care of the past you remind him that Satan is defeated and your sins are forgiven and your conscience has been purged from dead works don't let those dead works torment your mind any longer Christ, covering of the blood. Benny Hinn told a story of how that a telephone call came and got through to him. And this lady on the other end of the line, she was an elderly person well along in years, had been tortured all of her Christian life, which from a very young person, she had committed adultery. And she said, but I've done such horrible things. And, I feel, and he said, but has God forgiven you? Oh, yes, God has forgiven me. But I've done such horrible things. I can never forget it. He said, lady, your problem is not the horrible things that you have done, but it's unbelief. You do not believe in the blood of Jesus. You do not believe that he has purged your guilty conscience and you don't need to be tormented any longer. And he was able to pray a prayer of deliverance for her and set her free from that tormenting conscience. Some of you are harassed by the past when your sins have been covered. They're under the blood. Don't go digging them up. the record God has washed you in the blood of Jesus and those sins are gone forever they will never be remembered against you any longer thank God Adam and Eve did not have to go the rest of their days although they were expelled from the garden and she had pain and childbirth and he had to toil with the work of his hand the sweat of his face to earn his bread after that and they lived under that kind of curse they did not live under the curse of going to hell. Their sins were forgiven. The father himself provided a symbolic sacrifice of his only begotten son giving his life that one day that shed blood of Jesus would atone for every sinner's sin including that of Adam and Eve. There is this story about a woman by the name of Charlotte Elliot who wrote the song Just As I Am and she was singing at an event where a preacher was there and it was not a Christian song that she sang but she did a beautiful job he approached her after the event and said I enjoyed your song your talent is exceptional but what a shame that you're not using it for Jesus and he said to her you know your sins make you just as bad as a drunkard and just as bad as a harlot and she was offended and she turned and stalked away and would not speak to him any longer She went home that night, but could not go to sleep. Every time that she would close her eyes, she would see the face of that preacher reminding her that her sins would take her to hell. At 2 o'clock in the morning, she got up out of her bed, took a pen and paper, and began to write, Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. That thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. I want you to understand something. You come just as you are. You can't clothe yourself. You can't find anybody to do it for you. This church cannot do it for you. The New Age movement cannot do it for you. Humanism cannot do it. Buddhism cannot do it. No religion can do it. Good works will never accomplish it but God has prepared a covering God has prepared the blood of Jesus Christ to cover your sins in the book the power of the blood which we have just replenished our stock we have plenty of copies for those I think we sell them for two dollars by Alexander White he tells how that in the early days of Pentecost the gatherings sang mostly about the blood And as they would pray about the blood and plead the blood, demons would go out of people. People would receive the baptism, just saying the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood, emphasizing the precious blood of Jesus, the precious blood of Jesus. And in there, he tells how to plead the blood of Jesus. And people ask this question, what do you mean pleading the blood of Jesus? It's like entering your plea before the bar of justice, facing the judge. And he says, what is your plea? guilty or not guilty and your response is but judge I plead the blood of Jesus not like some who plead the fifth amendment (laughs) I plead the blood of Jesus my legal case is all in the blood I plead the blood you're guilty you're guilty you're guilty you're guilty but if you plead the blood you can do this as you're seeking God for healing you're not worthy to be healed but you plead the blood of Jesus as you seek salvation you're not worthy to be saved but you plead the blood of Jesus as you seek the, blood of, as you seek the baptism of the Holy Ghost you're not worthy to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. but we plead the blood of Jesus plead the blood over your family Plead the blood of Jesus over your job. Plead the blood over the lives of your family as they go out to school and to work. This past week, Gary was returning from a prayer event with a large number of pastors from Jacksonville coming down Interstate 95 at 70 miles an hour, which was the speed limit. A large piece of angle iron bounced off of an 18-wheeler trailer in front of him and in three lines of bumper-to-bumper traffic Gary was the first to hit that angle iron and blew out a front tire and he had to work his way through traffic over to the side and many cars behind him the blown tires and fortunately no accidents just the blown tires but that morning his family pleaded the blood over him my wife and I pleaded the blood over him as we do every morning we plead the blood over our family I don't have enough faith, I don't have enough gifts and I don't have anything that I can offer to give anybody any assurance of any success in anything, but I can plead the blood of Jesus and embodied in that covering, there is ample, there is plenty, glory, hallelujah.